Hi, this is Dave Broom of Orange Comet. The Web3 Entertainment Company has captured the attention of some of the biggest IP in the world. I'm here on the edge of NFT, the podcast that captures the attention of the finest builders and creators on the planet. That means you. So thanks for being here and keep listening. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn what kind of incredible NFT experiences Orange Comet has co-created with some of the biggest names in sports, entertainment, and beyond and learn how much a family photo can be the sweetest treasure among one man's impressive set of possible possessions, and how Lucky Ducky managed to create a scrappy, family-friendly stop-motion project and turn it into something truly timeless. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a gathering called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the Web3 space. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our Bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Dave Broom, co-founder and CEO of Orange Comet, the world's premier Web3 entertainment company helping drive the digital revolution. Orange Comet works with some of the world's biggest brands and intellectual property in sports, music, arts, and entertainment. Outside of his work with Orange Comet, Broom has been a Hollywood producer for nearly 25 years, having produced NBC's The Biggest Loser, Ultimate Beastmaster, Netflix's first ever unscripted competition series co-produced with Sylvester Stallone, as well as two Netflix documentaries, The Day I Met El Chapo, the Kate Del Castillo and Sean Penn story, and the Jennifer Lopez documentary Halftime. Broom leads Orange Comet by marrying the storytelling and cinematic approach of Hollywood with the dynamic innovation of technological immersive experiences, driving the brand as a digital leader into the future of entertainment. Dave, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's a pleasure to have you here. Ethan, great to be here with you guys. Those are some of my credits, but I like those. And I like the three Ds for the podcast, the doers, the dreamers. What's the third D? The dreamers, disruptors, and doers. Disruptors. Yes. Totally cool. Very Definitely. Cool. That's spot on. Good to the be The central you. rallying cry. And by the way, I'm a musician as well. I trained jazz at Rutgers University with oh, some really great me. jazz are musicians. You, you Jersey boy? I went to school there, which don't ask me why. Like New Jersey people are like, what did you do? Why did you come from Chicago to New Jersey? (laughs) We we didn't come from California to Jersey. Don't tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm looking at your setup there and I'm like, oh, just jump in there. We can jam out. If you hop on the drums, I'll play the keys. I play the keyboard and piano. Yeah. I got my keyboard over here. I see that. I'm drooling, man. Looks good. I started playing drums when I was about eight. And then when I was about 11, I think. My mom and dad rented a piano for one of my brothers and he never played it. But one day I just sat down and my fingers just kind of fell on the keys. And I've been composing ever since. I never took a lesson, but my grandfather was the stand up bassist in Rudy Valley's band. So this is back in the 
40s. So it must be in my blood. But yeah, when things don't go well in the world of Web3, I'm banging on taking my frustration out on the freaking drums behind me right here. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And for our listeners at home, we definitely have some history with Dave. It was really an honor to get to know Dave when we were putting together NFTLA version 1.0 back in March of last year. Man, it's been like a year, Dave. It's crazy to think about I can't believe it. I know. Nothing's happened during the course of that year, has it? No, it's all just (laughs) been kind of like day-to-day normal stuff. It's kind of the same shit. But this is like the time where things are crazy and 18 meetings a day for NFTLA. I get on a call with Dave. And then like, I don't even know who you were. I just get thrown on calls. I start Googling you and I was like, holy shit, we have people like this coming into our industry, really bringing the heat to to see what you've done, man, in the space in such a short amount of time. And it's just your reputation precedes you in terms of you're just your passion and your commitment to the creative arts and how you've translated that to Web3. And And that's really sort of the genesis of Orange Comet, this commitment to innovation and proprietary technology. I would love to share with everyone, I know a little bit of the story, but I'd love to share with everyone at home how the idea for Orange Comet came to be. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the nice words, too. I think you you said the word, by the way, passion is is everything to me. I've had a very fortunate career. Ethan mentioned some of the highlights, but I'll talk about some others. I was looking, I'm up here in my Lake Tahoe home right now. And during the hard days of COVID. I had about seven shows in some form of production, shooting, pre-shooting, post, and all got shut down as the world did. And it came up from our LA place to Tahoe, chill out, hang. We thought it'd be a few weeks and we'd be right back on the set. Back then, even this is two and a half years ago, certainly knew about NFTs and Web3 and blockchain because I stay on top of that stuff in a big way. And this is well before It was obviously in the zeitgeist. And I got a phone call from a good buddy. His name is Will Maris, who's the president of Orange Comet. And he's got an entrepreneurial background and an investment background and has done a lot of different things in a lot of different spaces. And he called me up and he said, hey, look, we've been looking at this space and really think there's a huge opportunity and I want you to run this company. And I said, Will, I'm flattered. Thank you so much. I'm not going to leave a 25-year career in Hollywood to go run a Web3 NFT company. This is not going to happen. It's hard enough to climb to where I was to then just walk away from it. And he said, well, look, I think there's a huge opportunity here and you got to look at this. And I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, I will. But I'm like, fuck, what is he talking about? I'm not going to look into this. But I obviously did. It was kind of gnawing at me a little bit. And the deeper dive that I did into NFTs at that time and blockchain and Web3, the more of a head scratcher it was for me. And a little bit more of the excitement started to kind of boil inside of me. The head scratcher was, what the hell am I looking at here? What is this stuff? And I don't mean what is an NFT. I'm thinking more like, what are people really buying at the end of the day? And I wasn't really commenting on digital artists because artists are artists. You got to put them in their own category. Art is art. I was looking at brands, IP, entertainment properties, sports, music my world from a Hollywood TV and film production standpoint, and looking at stuff and thinking, quite honestly, this is the biggest shit that I've ever seen. And it just was like regurgitating content. And I called Will back up several weeks later and I said, okay, look, I don't know. I could be totally wrong or right, but I built a very high-end 3D digital design studio for more than 20 years when I was in TV and film. 
along with my chief creative officer, Dante Ferrarini. And so I thought, look, if we could take Hollywood-style production quality and Hollywood-style content storytelling and combine it into Web3, could we have success? Because I saw this from day one, not as a speculative play. I didn't care about somebody making money on these things. I still don't, by the way. We can get into that after. I cared about a value-add proposition by saying, how can we deliver something that is the greatest content? Because this, at the end of the day, a great NFT or Web3 project in my mind back then and still now is should be no different than a great movie, a great song, a great book, a great television series. Great content is great content. But no one seemed to be looking at NFTs as a content play. There was certainly community, there was utility, but it wasn't really content driven. So long story short, I said to him, look, I don't know, either I'm way off or we're going to hit a bullseye here. Let's take the dog and pony show out and see what kind of response we get. And fast forward to a year and a half later, we've been very fortunate. We have been recognized as the best creative company in the world in space. These are other people's words. There are some people, by the way, doing some great stuff out there. So don't think I'm not sitting here with some like an egotistical asshole. I hope I don't want to come off like that. But for the most part, it's the most important thing. We're driven by passion and we're driven by trying to really build something that is of value to the fan base. So I look at the blockchain technology and I look at Web3 as being an amazing technology, an amazing opportunity for creators, an amazing opportunity for entrepreneurs to really come in and build. And I despise the motherfucking criminals and the hackers and the bullshit fucking artists and the rug pullers and everything that you would expect in a nascent industry, just like you saw in the dot-com days of the 90s. That's what we're kind of dealing with now. But those people are gone. Not totally, but they've gotten washed out. And now you've got real players and real companies building. And that's what we're looking to do in Orange Comet. So mm. there's been so many articles. The last project that I just did prior to coming on to building Orange Comet was I filmed Jennifer Lopez for the last four years and made her documentary feature halftime. That was a four-year project. And I'm very proud of it. We opened up Tribeca, but it was the last project I've done. And it'll be the last project I do as a TV and film producer because I'm so embedded and passionate about what we're building here. So that's a long-winded answer, but hopefully that gives you a bit of the story. Yeah. I mean, we hear the passion. That's all we have for the episode today, but no, I'm just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) Thanks for the time. (laughs) No, it's really great stuff. And, you know, just to echo what you were saying, it's so interesting to be in the position that we're in, where we get to see everybody at every level of what's going on here. And it's so fascinating to have this position of seeing certain things just absolutely fall apart, like literally just fall apart. And at the same time, people getting into the space, right? And people like yourself who are just like, I'm keeping going. I don't see like, it's very interesting. And it's very analogous, like you said, to other technology revolutions. So thanks for sharing that. So I know when we know from the way you've been talking that what you're about is kind of creating unprecedented ecosystems and other ways of engaging in the system. How do you see going about creating those type of things, those ecosystems yeah. in the world? And of the ecosystems, look, I look at the NFTs and kind of feels like a dirty word right now, right? Doesn't it? Like last year, NFTs. Just, yeah, was, we're going to actually bleep it out and it'll we'll yeah, say digital yeah. collectibles and then there you we'll go. go to the next time exactly. you say it. That's right. <laughs> so we're looking at whatever you want to call them. 
right. as the basement floor into a much bigger play. And I think that's where this is, the industry is going to evolve. We are in the nascent stages of this industry. So for us, what I mean by that is I'll take The Walking Dead as a good example. AMC saw our work, ended up in a multi-year partnership for the iconic franchise, The Walking Dead. We started with selling what we called Walker Access Passes. Typical passes that you would see, except our, the art that we were doing in it and the 3D digital design was pretty spectacular. But that got the fan base into the world. Okay, now you're accessing what we're building. And from day one, we said, what are we doing? We're building out a Web3 game environment. So every asset, every NFT that you're buying, whether it's Darren Dixon's motorcycle that we're recreating or tools or weapons or avatars, there's a purpose for that. They're actually getting used in a game system. So that's the eco environment, the ecosystem that we're building. That there was a real value to these. Yes, they looked amazing. Yes, the animations were sick, but that you're buying these for a real purpose. And that real purpose is just like a video game. And we know Web3 gaming is in a really interesting place. It has to be a great content in a Web3 game, first and foremost. It's got to be fun. It's got to be cool. If it's a play to earn or collect earn, great, but that's a secondary part of it. So the ecosystems that I'm talking about as the CEO of Orange Comet means that whatever we're delivering on a project should be part of something much bigger. It shouldn't just be a PFP of something. I personally think the days of ape-type projects where you just got profile pictures, and of course, they built a tremendous community and did an amazing job which is really the meat behind that. But I think it's going to be a struggle for a lot of companies to just come out or a lot of players to come out and just do PFP. Oh, oh, I mean, it was like, to be clear, it's always been a struggle. There's like 10, 15, 20 PFP projects that rose to the cream of the crop, but there are thousands that did not, right? So So at the end of the day, being ecosystem centric is critical to any brand, right? That you're building, like essentially any brand, Web2, Web3 is not just a community, it's an ecosystem if it's done right. That's right, Josh. And I think that's an important part because what you end up getting are not just crypto savvy people, but my goal is to expand the base, expand the world that we're all in here. I wanna keep the NFT and crypto enthusiasts intact because they're a critical part of what we're doing. But I want to expand beyond. Again, back to The Walking Dead, an interesting stat is that about 75% of the people who first bought into the project had never seen a second of the episode. By the way, this is not some hardcore stat. This is based on our best determination. 75% had never seen an episode of The Walking Dead. So they were NFT enthusiasts, NFT collectors, crypto fans, blah, blah, blah. But the better stat was roughly 20-something percent of the buyers came into the project as their very first NFT project ever. They never knew what an NFT was. They had no idea, but they were fans of the show. They saw our work. They were totally pumped on it, and we got them in. And that is what I'm looking to do. Because of my unique background, I guess, as a TV and film producer, I could be a voice amongst a lot of other people out there, too who could onboard the masses. And that's what I want to do. My goal is to find the next million people and the next million people and the next million. And the only way to do that, I believe, is to give them amazing content and make the system a hell of a lot easier. That's damn sure to onboard. 
But the ecosystem is a critical part of it, where they feel that there is a real purpose behind this shit and a real value for them to want to get involved. Fair enough. But that's not the only part of it, right? Like when you're sort of putting together these projects, you're thinking about dynamic storytelling, gamification, and of course, just generally creativity and technology play a role in creating these types of experiences. How do you infuse all these components and move the timelines from four years, which is what the JLo project took to four months or even less? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's funny because we're working with a lot of several game companies, traditional game publishers who take years and years and years, or let's just go to a studio for a second. Studios like we're partnered with DreamWorks and NDC Universal. And these are amazing creative companies. And you'd say, well, why would they want or need a company like Orange Comet in this space? They could do great creative themselves. Well, they're specializing in what they're doing, and we're specializing in what we're doing. And we can shorten timelines and shorten budgets and build out content in different ways. And I think because of my background as a TV and film producer, especially in the unscripted space, by the way, in reality television, remember, I started in reality television in the early days. So I kind of felt like I was one of the pioneers then, which is interesting, kind of like parallel to what I'm doing here. Back in the early 2000s, reality was just kind of starting to take off. So if you can create content in a less expensive way than you can in traditional scripted shows, that was one of the appeals for reality television. So the same thing here is I've been able to take those practices and move them over. But let me just tell you something. I'm not shy to say that we put hundreds of thousands of dollars into just about every single project we're doing. So when you're looking at our creative, when you look at the Anthony Hopkins partnership that we had with one of the most iconic actors in the world and an amazing artist himself, which again, we had a tremendous success in last October. We sold out in seven minutes on that collection. We put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars into creating the digital pieces to that. But we believe that we're investing in a long-term project and building content. So you have to shorten timelines, but you can't let the, the first and foremost, I guess, barometer for us is, do we care about the project? We Sure, we want to make money. We want to make a shit ton of money. We're not a nonprofit company, but that's not what's driving us. What's driving us is, can we tackle something that we feel really great about creatively? And can we serve a purpose with that? Question number one. By the way, we turned down a lot of opportunities and big ones with big celebrities, big talent, big music talent attached, only because we feel like either they're not in it for the right reason or we can't be in it for the right reason because we can't see the vision of what it is. So if we can find that vision, first and foremost, that's our gut check. Then it goes into, okay, what's our creative approach? What are we doing with this? And I looked at Dapper when I first got into the space and I looked at Top Shot and I gave them a lot of credit for creating that market. But at the same time, I told my guys in the company, said, we will never, ever, ever be Dapper. And I said, I'd love to be Dapper from a financial success, but we're never going to regurgitate content that you can see on live television or online afterwards and just repurpose it. That's just not us. So we need a vision to everything we do, Josh. Yeah. I mean, look, it was innovative at the time and they went first, but ultimately they catalyzed a movement around pushing the envelope. 
you have to give them a lot of credit for what they did. They created a market. They were visionaries themselves. But today, everything that Top Shot is, is the opposite of what I personally, and as what as a CEO of Orange Common, want to see Web3 being. Again, this should not be about buying into a project and 5Xing and 10Xing and 20Xing. That is the wrong approach, in my opinion. That is the pure speculative aspect of this. A company like Apple, let's look at Apple. They don't sit there and make computers and amazing phones and all that stuff because they're trying to make their stockholders money first and foremost. Of course, that's what they need to do. What they're first thinking is, how do we create the greatest fucking projects, the product in the world? How is this phone or this computer or, or these buds going to change your life? which then in turn creates value for their stockholders. There's a difference. And that's what I'm trying to do is like, let me create a project and content that delivers great value, which then, by the way, if you want to go ahead and 5X it, 10X, great, that's up to you. But that's not my goal. Let's talk about the Anthony Hopkins project a slight bit more. Like you said, sold out in seven minutes. Seems just visit the website and it's just like incredibly ornate, just beautiful, elaborate things you've created. Can you give us a little bit on how that all came together and the ethos of that, maybe in light of what you're talking about? And like, I also, by the way, Ethan, I got to find out, like, what was that first conversation with Anthony Hopkins about NFTs like? Because that just... First of all, it it was amazing. It looks a lot like the Donald Trump NFT project. I mean, there's a lot of (laughs) echoes there. It's very similar. It's exactly different suits and stuff like that. We followed (laughs) something off and just said, fuck it, here we go. Gloria and Emilio Estefan are founders in Orange Common and good friends of mine. And I've produced Gloria on one of my shows over the years. And it was funny because Gloria, I think, called me up or Emilio, I can't remember, and said, Dave, we want to put you in touch with Anthony Hopkins because he wanted to get into the world of NFTs. As that was happening, Another phone call was coming from another relationship, same Bernie Human, his name is, who's, by the way, a legendary Vegas producer, Siegfried and Royd and all things. And I have a relationship with him. And he picked up the phone and said, hey, listen, I know you might be talking to Bernie, uh, to uh, Gloria and, and Emilio, but I want to put you in touch with Anthony Hopkins. They've seen your stuff. And as that was happening, UTA was actually doing the same thing. So I got a phone call in my car, just out of the blue. And it didn't come from Anthony or Tony, as we're going to call him, because that's how he wants to go. It came from Stella first, Tony's wife, Stella Hopkins, who is incredibly smart, bright, sharp cookie, like you wouldn't believe. And said, Dave, look, seen your stuff, know the work that you guys are doing. Tony's seen it. Aaron, who runs there, one of their companies in Tony's artwork has seen it. We want to get involved with you guys. Tony has ideas on doing, getting into the world of NFT. Now, what's amazing about this is that Anthony Hopkins at 84 years old at the time, he's just turned 85, is not the epitome or the poster child of Web3 NFT project, but he's an artist. And I don't know if you guys knew that or had seen that, but a lot of people in the world may have not even known that. He's a real artist. His artwork sells for hundreds of thousands, in some cases, million dollar plus in his paintings, which was a great thing first. Secondly, he was genuinely enthusiastic about Web3 and wanted to learn and get into it. Third, 
you happen to be in a movie called Zero Contact, the first NFT movie ever created. So there was real genuineness, real authenticity, real art, and an iconic legend. And we said, of course, where do we go? Let's jump in. So the very first meaning when I said Anthony, he said, no, 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 no. Because you don't know what to call Sir Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins. He says, you're calling me Tony. We recorded it. I have it. It's a Zoom meeting, the very first one. And we're going to do something with it because you're hearing me talk and you guys are obviously struggling to get in a word edwise with me. But it was exact opposite because I was like, oh, shit, man. And I've been partnered with George Clooney, Queen Latifah. I've had amazing partnerships and celebrity partnerships over the years. And I've been very grateful for that. Sly, of course. But listening to Anthony Hopkins talk about philosophy, his life, what was driving him, why he wanted to get into this space, and hearing it was an experience of a lifetime. I mean, it was just one of those unforgettable, and thank God we recorded it, moments. And Sounds like a special episode of the Edge of NFT podcast. Yeah, we could do that. We have not released that footage. And maybe we'll put Tony on one of the Edge of NFT podcasts with us because we're doing a lot more with him. But it was very apparent that when he was talking, he was so curious and so, I guess, enthusiastic about what this new medium of Web3 and NFTs and blockchain is and how we can reach a whole nother audience. The Audi Hopkins doesn't need to make money. This is about getting his art out there, getting him kind of immortalized on the blockchain. So we walked off of that Zoom, so to speak, with so many different ideas. And Tony had so many different ideas. And we eventually landed on the one that we came out with, which was taking Anthony Hopkins as an artist and then taking him as all the kinds of archetypes that he's played in his career and blending the two together. And if you look at stuff on the Orange Comet website, or if you go on to OpenSea and see it, you might be thinking that you're looking at very elaborate photographs of Anthony Hopkins, but none of that is real. It's all created by us in 3D digital design. None of those pictures, none of those images of Tony is actually real. We sculpted it all in-house. And that's what blew everyone away. So the Wall Street Journal reached out to us and all these people, because what they said, Ethan, was, holy cow, this is like real art in a lot of ways in the world of Web3 and NFTs outside of just being an artist. You're taking an actor, an iconic legend, and building art around this property. So yeah, we've developed an amazing friendship. He is, and Stella, are unbelievable, salt-to-the-earth kind of people. And that is what's so exciting when you get somebody of that kind of stature that just is so grounded. Like he just is, I don't know if you've seen his TikTok videos. He's up there just fucking dancing up a storm to music and just having fun with his life. Oh, I'm on his Twitter right now. And the dude is just having a blast. That's it. And how awesome is that? And by the way, what makes it so great for us in this topic is here's a guy 84 years old, able to bring people into Web3 into the blockchain. That's what we want. The celebrity who's in it for the buck and the quick hit and the money grab, that shit we know doesn't work. 
Yeah, but, he has a caption on one of his tweets from December 25th. Born free, be free, happy holidays. Like the born free, be free. Like, I think the freedom of creativity is what's really at the heart of that drop that you did with him. And speaking of living legends, you also had an opportunity to have a very successful drop with Scottie Pippen. Would love to at least touch on that drop as well and what it was like to work with another living legend and how you're sort of thinking about these sneakers and where they're going to go from here. Yeah. Well, again, WME, William Morris Endeavor, was representing me for 17 years as a TV film producer, found out that we were doing, of course, building out Orange Comet and said, look, we got a lot of clients who are going to want to work with you because we know your 3D work. And we said, well, who? And they rattled off a bunch of people. And we said, well, what do they want to do? And what do they want to do? And what do they want to do? And we got to Scotty Pippen, by the way, big names, other ones. We got Scotty Pippen. He said, well, what does he want to do? And they said, well, he wants to do a line of NFT sneakers, digital sneakers. Now, we knew from day one that we were going to be building out a very, very big digital wearables division inside Orange Comet, which, by the way, at NFT LA, we're going to be talking about in a big way. And I'm telling you, it's the coolest shit. So we took to that idea right away. And the second reason why we took that idea with Scotty was Scotty Pippen is not only an iconic, legendary NBA Hall of Famer, voted one of the top 75 players of all time, but more importantly, back to the authenticity. Him doing wanting to do a line of NFT sneakers was critical because he had a whole line of sneakers with Nike for years, his own signature line. So again, this was all grounded in the world that he was coming from. So he wanted to explore Web3. Now he created all these shoes with Nike, and now we get this opportunity to bring this into the Web3 space. So first and foremost, he wanted to do this. Secondly, it was grounded. It was real. It was authentic. We knew what we wanted to do right off the bat. We looked at Artifact a year or two ago, great company, doing great stuff with Nike, and said, these guys are doing really great work. We got to strive to be better. That was our barometer. And then we only looked at them once, by the way. It's really important as a creator. It's hard because when you're a creator... You don't want to look at other people's work and let it get into your head so much because it affects your shit. So when I was making all my television shows over the years, I'd watch just enough, let's say, reality television to just see what someone is doing, but not so much that you wanted to sit there and copycat it because that's bad. So for us, we wanted to do, again, very elaborate signature animations. What we do is really, really, really difficult. You would think that if you had all the money in the world, a company like Autograph, who raised $170 million, would sit there and go, hey, man, let's just go get the greatest creators in the world and we'll go make amazing 3D digital work. It's not that easy. It's really, 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 really hard. This is a team that's been with me for 20 years as the core we built out. So with Scotty, in this case, we want to do very elaborate sneakers and we wanted these sneakers to be all one-of-one designs. Every sneaker unique in a 3D digital animation. That was number one. Number two is we wanted a real world component to this. So by the way, today, as we're recording this podcast, I don't know when it's going to air, but as we sit here on January 5th, we're about to reveal the 1,000 shoes that are coming out tonight. And what's really cool is that 33 of those people, because 33 is Scotty's number, 
are going to actually get a physical prototype sneaker as well, autographed by Scotty. That so imagine being one of 33 people in the world that own a Scotty Pippen sneaker that is a prototype to something that we hope we think is going to be a brand new full-on sneaker line. The third piece to this, back to the ecosystem and the real value, is we said, look, we just don't want these things to look cool and to be amazing in its digital design. And by the way, I could if I could share my screen, I would even show you what they look like right now. But I'll send them to you so you guys can show them by the time this podcast airs. All right. Because um, there's some sick shit. But here's the thing. We wanted there to be a real purpose for the sneakers. So those sneakers are designed to be able to go into various flexure mods in Grand Theft Auto, Robux. So you can take these sneakers and put them on your avatars in other game environments. And we're continuing to build that out. Of course, there's some utility in real world experiences, which are really super cool with Scotty playing golf with him and doing other shit. But again, we wanted to build a real purpose behind what the sneakers were. And that's where we went. And I got to tell you, I want you guys to know this. We were promoting this. Scotty and I went to New York. This drop took place December 20th. Not the greatest time in the world, you would think. Not the greatest time where I got asked or from the Wall Street Journal asked me, Forbes, Coindesk. You wouldn't believe how many outlets asked Scotty and I, why now? Why are you putting an NFT collection out now in a bear market during the FTX collapse? And I'm like, listen, guys, FTX has nothing to do with what we do or others are doing in this space. Let's get it right first. And secondly, this is the time you do it. Because again, great content, which we felt like we had, will always bubble up. It will find its way. If you've got something that you think is great, and I'm talking to creators out there, you know, when I'm talking to you guys right now, great shit will find its way. So did we think we would sell out in 77 seconds? Not a chance. But that's what ended up happening. Yeah, I remember a conversation I had recently, I think it was in Miami during our Basel and just walking through Scope, the art gallery, and just engaging with some people and guy who didn't know much about NFTs just kind of saying, what's with this? Is this going anywhere? And it's, I hadn't thought about it in these explicit terms before, but this is a movement in art, but also many other domains. But let's just talk about art because this guy was an art dealer, basically. In the future, just like any other movement in art, people are going to look back and it's going to be important. <laughs> and there's going to be important works of art, important works, collectibles, things like that. People are going to want to own them. And they're going to want the NFT as part of owning them, like no matter what. It's always going to be a monumental moment in the evolution of art in all these other domains. It's kind of so obvious. I want to quickly ask you, we really want to get quick hitters, which is our next segment, to get to know you a little better personally. We think it's going to be fun. But before we jump to that, any other collaborations you want to mention in the pipeline besides The Walking Dead, which you already referred to? Anything you can let loose? Yeah, yeah, on? absolutely. Well, there's a lot. Look, we just launched into the Anne Rice properties, which was AMC has all the rights to Anne Rice. She only sold 150 million books. So they launched Interview with the Vampire. We sold 3,333 vampire coffins that bring you into the immortal universe that we're creating. We just sold them. We sold out in a few hours. I can't remember, back in November, December. That project, again, is about building the dark, seedy world of vampires and lust and the digital environment that we have in it is spectacular, jaw-dropping. I mean, you're going to go there, 
and you're going to look to kill vampires. You're going to look to build out through these avatars. The coffins that we built are amazingly elaborate in their design. So that's a project that's evolving. We have projects coming out with NBC Universal and DreamWorks. We've got projects coming out with music projects. There's about 27 projects that are on our slate right now. Now, we will not put 27 projects out this year. I will mention something, though, that I want to bring also to NFT LA, and everybody can hear maybe for the first time, by the way. So Barry Sonnenfeld, the iconic, legendary director, cinematographer, Men in Black, God, so many movies, Adam's Family, developed a property called Dinosaurs versus Alien. You probably get it right off the damn title. He created about a dozen years ago a project that was started as a graphic novel. And the hope was to bring it to traditional Hollywood and turn it into a movie franchise. Well, it didn't work out a dozen years ago because the budget was too high and the story still needed to be worked on. But when he got introduced to us and saw our work, we got it immediately, obviously. And we joined a partnership and we're doing Dinosaurs versus Aliens as the most badass Web3 game you can imagine. And I am telling you right now, I wish I had the 3D rigging here. Dante has it, our chief creative officer. When I show you guys what we built and how these fucking dinosaurs move as NFT digital assets, your jaws are going to drop. You're going to think you're watching something better than Jurassic Park. So the idea is we're going to be selling dinosaurs. We're going to be selling aliens. They're going to kick the shit out of each other. There's going to be a massive Web3 game to it, which will show. And maybe we'll even use, again, NFTLA as the opportunity to do that. Timing awesome. is probably close to that. So a couple of really cool projects for us coming down the line. Beautiful. No, very exciting. I'll be a dinosaur and fight your <laughs> alien any, any day. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's and throw it on, man. These aren't your typical dinosaurs. You can wait till you see what these things look like. I want to see the Joshosaurus Rex. <laughs> the Joshosaurus Krieger. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. All right. Well, that concludes our normal interview. We want to get over here to quick hitters. Edge quick hitters are a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better, Dave. I, are... I want to emphasize the word quick, Dave. Quick. <laughs> Am I dragging on for you too much? No, no, no. It's, it's, I mean, we're it's, enjoying it's, it. But you we... know. There are 10 quick questions. We're going to 
do a short, single, few word response, but feel free to expand if we do really get there. I'll give you a very quick hit. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. He's ready. Okay. What is the first thing you ever remember purchasing in your life? I remember purchasing a pair of ski gloves when I was a very young kid and skiing up in Vermont, excuse me, not Vermont, Northern New York. And I used my money, my allowance money to be able to get that for me. I went into a ski shop with my dad. I was probably 10 years old. And he said to me, you're going to get ripped off in this ski shop. And I said, no, dad, I'm not. Let me do this. And I bought it. And we went down the street to a supermarket. <laughs> and those same exact ski gloves were about fucking 10 times less money than what I just paid for them. So that was my first lesson. Got it. I'm very proud, actually. It reminds me of my son's first purchase. He had like a dollar or something. And we went into this resale shop and there were these little kind of like golden little emblem things that they were selling for like a dollar a piece or whatever. And he said, dad, I'd like two. Can I have two? His mom said, well, they're a dollar a piece. You can only have one. And I said, well, ask them if you can get two for a dollar. <laughs> and of course, he's a cute kid. So he did. So he got a deal on his very first purchase. Very nice. proud of that. Taught him how to negotiate it first. All right. So next question is, what is the first thing you ever remember selling in your life? Pencils. I was seven, eight years old. I would steal pencils from my classmates and sell it back to them before they got in trouble for not having a pencil in class. Does wow, that tell you about cool. my fucking like personality? That. Does that tell you that I'm, <laughs> that I'm a thief or a criminal? <laughs> oh, man. I got called down. And by the way, my mom, I got called down to the principal's office after I had my racket going for about two weeks, and then my mom got called down. <laughs> I, I don't want to imagine what Kanye would think about that. But, <laughs> all right. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Lighting gear for a new YouTube studio that I'm building out and a lot of camera equipment. And I'm Very talking cool. about like a day ago. Is that in California or somewhere else? Yep. yep. Right here in California. In fact, this is a fantastic Sony FX3, which is a cinematographer edition. So obviously as a TV and film guy, particularly in that stuff, but I just got it. I just got it. This episode brought in. to you by Sony FX3. There you go. And what is the most recent thing you sold? I have, man, I haven't sold it. Well, how about the Scott Pippen NFT? Can I give you that? <laughs> yeah, if, if that's the most recent thing you sold, for sure. Yeah, I haven't sold anything in a long time. I'm a collector of shit. I don't really get rid of it ever. It's very common here on the show. I know the feeling. In the patterns. Yeah. All right. Next question. What is your most prized possession? Probably a family photograph. I've got two daughters. They had a hard upbringing, believe it or not. My ex-wife had passed away when she was 50. And so there's a photograph of us. And I don't think it can ever replace anything like that. I look at it all the time. It's in the hallway up here now in my Lake Tahoe house. And they were younger back then and simpler times in a lot of ways. So I'm a very emotional guy. I love telling emotional stories. So I'd have to easily say that it's a family photo. That's a great one. Thanks for sharing. Next question. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service or experience that is currently for sale, what would it be? I would buy an experience. I'd have to think about what that experience would be. But to me, look, I'm 58 now and I've been very fortunate. I've, I've gone through my phases. I've had a very fortunate career. So I've gone through my phase of getting fancy cars and all kinds of shit like that. And now I think it's really just about experiences, life experiences. And if I can find something that would take me around the world in a unique, one-of-a-kind kind of opportunity, 
maybe attached to an NFT, which is something that we're actually working on in some ways. I think those are irreplaceable, right? Because life experiences are just something that stick with you forever. And an asset is just an asset. A fancy car is a fancy car, a nice suit or nice watch. Yeah, I have those things and I still have them, but experience is all the way. Yeah. All right. So if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Drive. Fucking drive, man. The one thing that I've been able to have, you know, a lot of people coming into Hollywood, there's a lot of talent. Obviously, people are talented in this world, whether or not you're a musician, an artist, a creator, someone who knows how to make a pizza, a great pizza. But what happens is life gets in the way and people get in your way and knock you down and try to jump you off of your course. And the key to success for me and what I try and tell everybody when I'm, I do a lot of motivational speeches and even after I was just talking to my daughters is fucking come back, not just getting back up. You've got to get back up and even stronger. You need to use the negativity to drive you forward, not just come back to where you were. And that, that is my best personality trait, along with a lot of negatives in my personality. But that is my best personality trait. That's great. Yeah, totally agree. And I was listening to an Andrea Huberman podcast recently, and he talked about with stress, there's scientific studies that how you think about stress and whether or not you look at it positively or negatively actually impacts whether it's a positive or negative consequence on your body and your mindset. So by the way, Josh, have you been listening to Andrew Huberman like more often lately than previously? Mm-hmm. That's funny because I just started like stressed? independently like checking out his content. Oh, uh, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a total I mean, ball of stress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got my sleep stack in order. I ordered all his sleep stack nootropics. And so I'm getting some deep dreaming going on now, which is pretty nice. cool. And working for yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Check in with me in a month. I'll let you know. All right. You're talking to somebody who only gets four hours of sleep at night, and that's been for about 20 years. All right. I'm going to send you his sleep stack. I'll send it to you. All right. So if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? One of my personality traits that I would eliminate? I would say my frustration. Like I get frustrated. I'm a control freak. So I've had to learn to give up control. With control comes the frustration. So for me, when you're a control freak, it's good in some ways because you're so on it, but it's bad in a lot of other ways. And I've had to learn to trust people around me to deliver. And that's important when you're building a company. And so I would say that being control freak is probably the worst part of my personality that I would love to see go away. And it's probably like 90% of producers, right? (laughs) I think the men and women who care about what they're doing, it's very hard to let go of your baby. You're probably this way. Gosh, you guys are probably this way. Like you're building your company, you're building NFT LA, you're building Edge of NFT. You need other people, but you also don't want to let it go. And that's hard. That's a hard balance, by the way, to figure out. And I wish oh, I, would, I, 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 I want to let it all go. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. good. I think of the Bruce Lee be like water, right? I mean, it's more like that kind of side of things, can right? Can you be like that? Water can flow and it can crash, right? I mean, it's, you can get there by letting go, but it's a secret of the ninja yeah. kung fu format. It's a tough one. It's a really tough one to find the balance on. All right. Last two questions, simple ones. Number nine, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was on another Zoom. 
I'm, I'm finding myself in back to back to back to back to back meetings, which is fine. But that's what I did. And that's what my day is comprised of as a CEO of a company. But I find it best to be doing what we're doing right now, to be honest. I love just talking about the industry that we're in and gets me pumped, as you can tell. So I did a presentation meeting right before this. Cool. And then the follow-up to that, number 10, last question, what are you going to do next after joining us on the podcast? Take a piss. I got to pee really badly. (laughs) I hear Uh, you on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Authentic, true. We love it. You're getting like it is. You're asking, I'm telling you. Sounds good. After my bathroom, I will do another meeting, by the way, at five o'clock on the West Coast here. Okay, perfect. Yeah, get some time to take care of yourself there for a few moments. Sounds good. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio. And you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right. This full service, soup to nuts, end to end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you. Yes, you, Randy. Launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. All right, let's move on to our hot topic segment. And we'll announce that one and get into it at the moment right now. So today's hot topic features Jeremy Fisher, a talented stop motion director and animator and founder of Lucky Ducky. He has directed projects for Vice and Hallmark, and he's animated on two well-known projects, Marcel the Shell movie and the Robot Chicken series. Jeremy, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. That's a fun little intro there. Yeah. Stop motion is pretty awesome. I did this little project just one time for like a little wedding video with my wife. It was just so fun. And I'm sure like anything, it gets old, right? And it gets hard if you do it for a career. But I also love the Shaun the Sheep series. My son is like really into those, but uh, if you're familiar with it. Yeah. So it's also great to just have two folks that come from traditional art and entertainment on the same show. And Jeremy, I'm sure you had a chance to listen to to Dave's passion. 
he likes a good fight. So if you disagreed with anything, <laughs> we could talk about that. But I'm sure there's also a lot you can relate to here. No, I mean, without being too agreeable here, I loved hearing everything you mentioned. Like it's a lot of the same things that got me into NFTs and making art in this space. So just to talk about authenticity, about creating passion, all that work that goes into this, like it keeps me coming back to the NFT space every day and wanting to figure out the next big thing I'll work on. So yeah, super cool to hear the story and everything with uh, Orange Comments. So cool to listen yeah. Awesome. And I want to just say, I just want to say one thing that congrats on, on Lucky Ducky because it's what I love. It's what we were talking about prior to coming on. It's real work. It's real content. It's You can see your passion in it. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like, I don't have a big celebrity with me that like, I'm not a big name in, outside of NFTs. So we had to like just do this like grassroots, like small buildup. And I think that's like, it's such a hard thing in this space to get your name across. And, but yeah, we've been pulling it off. I mean, we've had our ups and downs since the bull market to the bear market, but I think the projects that stick around are going to do really well from here on out. Well, you can thank William Tong because he gave me the alpha <laughs> prior to your project and I do whatever William says. So Edge of NFT is one of the early holders of your project. Oh yeah, no, he's been great. Yeah, he's one of those guys that like, he just happens to know all the right people in NFTs and elsewhere. So like when I chatted with him the first time, he's like, whatever you're doing, Jeremy, I want to be a part of. And that's how we got this conversation started. And it's been awesome working with him ever since. Awesome. Well, we hear that director animator Peter Levin also wants to be a part of what you're doing. He's an advisor to Lucky Ducky. Sounds like he's going to support your animated series pitching efforts to the studios. Tell us a little bit about bringing him on. Yeah. So when we were first coming up with this concept for Lucky Ducky, the time when like everything was just a quick flip of like pixel art. And I think Bored Apes and Cool Cats had just started to take hold a little bit. And working in entertainment, I saw this as an opportunity to say like, and this is going to sound like kind of cliche now, but like back then it was, what if we had a project that had a story that had characters that you wanted to really latch onto beyond just a quick flip and a quick like PFP. And so what that led to was just really honing in on what are the metrics of like solid character design, solid character development, not doing stuff with like cigarettes and about gore and all this stuff. Because working in entertainment, you have to deal with S&P and like dealing with lot lawyers and stuff. A lot of these projects want to do animation. They want to get into the space, but they have all these issues built into the project from the day one. They can't just like throw it into animation. So baked into our project, we wanted to really set off on the right foot there's no like Ethereum logos. There's no projects that were like in the embedded in the project that we like now have to make excuses for later on. It's all just strictly the core characters that we love and care about in this project. And that's where we led to with Pete is that he is a producer, director, animator. He produced recently on a bunch of stuff for Open the Portal, which is a stop motion studio. He's assistant directed on Marcella Shell, which just came out in theaters not too long ago. But he is like one of the best people I know in stop motion. And one of the things from day one we've been trying to talk about is how we know people outside of the NFT space that are embedded in animation, embedded in entertainment, and just putting together the right people that we want to work with. And it doesn't matter if you're like at a studio, but you have nothing to do with NFTs, we can bridge that gap. So Pete is our first kind of like showcase of that effort. He's advising us when we're talking to studios and they say, well, how expensive is this? He's our guy that can say like, it's going to take X amount of dollars for X amount of minutes and we need this amount of animators. 
because he's done all that work before, it's not just a pie in the sky concept. Like so many projects want to do animation, yeah. but they don't know how to do that first step. Yeah, it seems like a good guy to have in your corner. Dave, I got to imagine if you're not directly connected to Peter, you have like 100 common friends there. Yeah, for sure. And I love, I'm, just, I'm listening because I love what Jerry's saying here. It's story driven and story focused, character focused. And that is such the right approach. And stop animation is really, really difficult and takes a lot of talent to be able to pull it off and see what's being done here in the work. And yeah, and patience. <laughs> so really cool, man. You're building a playable ducky for the other side and another project that we love in Worldwide Web 3. What does that look like? So that was the other side of it where we were talking about a lot of projects we're looking into doing their own metaverses, their own games. And that was kind of like the conversation back in like June of last year. It was like, everyone's doing a metaverse, everyone's doing a game. And we're like, we're not about that. We're about animation, storytelling, getting in front of studios. We don't want to go down the side path of making our own video game. Like an unheard of proposition if you've ever talked to developers and game developers. But now what we have the ability to do in Web3 is we can craft sprites, we can craft character models. And now with, through the technology, we can now have just through your wallet connecting onto other side, World of Web 3, you can play as your ducky in these different games. And we don't have to do all the workload of building out characters, a story game, and all this work that goes into it. But you can now be your character in these other places. And it's incredible to just like even talk about this stuff as an artist, as someone who played video games my whole life. And now I can just be like, yeah, we have a ducky that you can run around in Worldwide Web 3. And I didn't have to make everything from scratch. Like, I'm not a game developer. I'm an animator and artist. So that to me is like amazing use case for this work. It's just like you have a wallet, you have a ducky in it. Now you've unlocked all this potential and all these games you want to play. And you can just like run around with your friends as duckies in the metaverse. That to me is like what part of this future is like. Yeah, that's fun. And you guys are doing, working on this sort of community-driven claymation story right now, calling it Backstage Pass. Tell us what listeners should know about that one. So anyone who's been to LA on vacation, maybe has done the studio tours where you go to the back lots and see how they like make all the movies and all the shows. It's really great to just kind of like peek behind the curtain a little bit and see the process of every show that you get to see on TV has like, it's all in, in warehouses and buildings that are just really nondescript. So we want to take that kind of setup of going on the little golf cart and going around to all the different shooting spots. But through the power of our project, we can do that with NFTs and holders can now be part of the process of making content with us. So it's not just something like changing the color shirt on a character in a show. This is like full on. We're pitching the first stage of this, which is a ducky who's baking a cake for a party. And now the community has said, what happens next step? And then we will collect in a writer's room on our Discord, all the different ideas and all the things that people are pitching to us. And we'll pull out some really gem of ideas out of that community. And now we build the second part and the third part. So we've gone step-by-step step with our community and they're building the story with us. And I can't think of too many other places where that happens outside of Web3. Like it's such a unique type of experience. And Along with that, we're doing the storyboarding. We're we're talking them through how this process works and the stop motion. We're going to be live streaming and, and showing them all the process to building this thing. That's so cool. And yeah, I mean, I guess like CEO Aoki makes answering that question, what do you do with the cake harder? Because like you <laughs> want to say smash in someone's face, but that's already been done like a thousand times, right? right? 
by Senor Aoki. Yeah, no, uh, we, we ended up having a mouse that gets discovered. And so now they've discovered the mouse and they decide they're going to capture the mouse. And then we're figuring out the next stage of this and what they're going to do with this little mouse character. So it's going to leave like maybe in a Tom and Jerry direction, maybe a little running around, chasing after it, trying, or maybe it'll become more like Ratatouille where they get together and they be able to make a cake together. So well, really speaking of that, making the cake together, if you and Orange Comment ever collab at some point, it would not be the first time a collab came out of two guests being on our show. That'd be fun. <laughs> if you guys do collab, hey. I'll bake you a cake, okay? There you I'm go. Hold you to that. We'll, we'll <laughs> take a little royalty and have you guys back to talk about it. It'll be gluten-free right. as well. Mm-hmm. I promise that. Yeah, yeah. Ethan's very strict on gluten-free. <laughs> well, cool. Jeremy, he's def- I'll tell you, I mean, I just, again, love hearing this. This is what... We want more of. We all want more of this. Jeremy is a creator and his company. This is what it's about. This is what moves it forward. This is what gets people excited and brings more and more people into Web3. Yeah, no, great. thanks for saying that. It's great stuff, man. And really thankful that you have a very special giveaway for us. So we've got this low number, Lucky Ducky number 49. There's never been traded. And we're going to share more about that contest on our social, but typical thing, follow, retweet. Of course, we'll we'll need your ETH address. Thank you so much for that generous gift to our community. And I'm sure someone's excited, feeling really lucky to get their ducky. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) That's the first time that joke has been made. I appreciate it. Josh, very original, sir. (laughs) Sorry. Hey, you know what, though? Jeremy used a pun earlier, too. So guilty as charged. Right. Nice. (laughs) Let's make sure we know where people go to follow you and find out more, Jeremy, before we roll out. Sure. So our main handle is Lucky Ducky NFT on Twitter. That's where we post all the updates. If you want to get into the Discord, I believe it's discord.gg slash Lucky Ducky. So that's where we have our holders space where you can see some of the earlier work if you have a Lucky Ducky and just chat with us. And we're pretty friendly. The project pretty is all friendly. full. yeah i mean actually it's like a family-friendly projects that's part of the makeup of this is we're all trying to do something that can be all ages appropriate so whether it's a discord whether it's twitter you're not going to see anything that you wouldn't be offended by showing your kids or any older adults in the room so we keep that on all stages of this project from discord to twitter and the community kind of replicates that as well that's really fun love that very good very good I'm just trying to think of dirty things you could do with Lucky Duckies now. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, like... Well, you could, turn, you know. you could change the ducky to like a vowel, and then you got a whole nother... You can make, yeah, I know. I make a like derivative this. series called Unlucky Ducky for free. I mean, that is wide open right there. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't go too far down that domain <laughs> the interest of your audience. But yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Jeremy. We'll definitely catch you on the flip side. Hope to see you at NFTLA and look forward to all the cool things going on with Lucky Duckies. Yeah, thank you so much. Congratulations. Awesome. All right, we'll catch you later. Josh, did you get should we should we hit this other hot topic real quick? Or what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. All Let's right. cover one hot topic. I think one thing Dave is not sure on is opinions. And we like opinions. So let's chat about one of these interesting newsworthy topics recently. Okay. Okay. Fanatics sells its majority stake in the NFT company Candy Digital. So this is kind of a big deal. Candy's kind of been one of the major players that come out, especially early on in this whole space. And it's a big deal to sell that much. And they've got some rationales for it. I understand, Dave, you're the one that brought this actually hot topic to our attention. So well, tell look, us about I mean, your take here. 
Yeah, look, I hope my opinions, I'm hoping, are driven by my passion. And I don't know it all. I definitely don't have the answers. I know what I want and what I'm looking to build as a CEO of this company. But in this hot topic, I was reading the article that broke yesterday, and I'll pull it up right here in front of me, that, as you said, Ethan, that you know, uh, Fanatics is selling its 60% stake of Candy Digital, which is fine. But what bothered me and really upset me was Michael Rubin and his quote. And Michael Rubin is the CEO of Fanatics. And obviously, very bright guy and smart. And Fanatics is a wildly successful company. But what he said is what pisses me off. And let me just see if I can find the exact quote. And I have I got it. it. Do you want me to read it? Or you got it. Yeah, you can read it. You, you can read his quote. Read it. Here we go. And you can pretend I'm Michael Rubin. We can have okay. at it here. Over the past year, it has become clear that NFTs are unlikely to be sustainable or profitable as a standalone business. Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin wrote yeah. in an internal email, according to CNBC. And that is a comment that just upset the shit out of me. It's over the past year, it's become apparent that NFTs are unsustainable of its own business. That's not true. First of all, that might be his opinion, but NFTs are massively sustainable and it's been proven that it's massively sustainable. What might not be sustainable is the content or creation that Candy Digital is putting out or the way that they're doing it or the way that they've approached things. I'm not looking to rip their company or anything like that. And I certainly have, I would love to see them succeed, but that comment gets picked up in the general media. And the next thing you see is, oh, Michael Rubin, CEO of Fanatics, when it's now being quoted in Forbes or Fortune. This is on CNBC. I don't want that comment to hold any water. That's a mm. bullshit comment. Maybe you think that it's the way your company's run is not sustainable for NFTs. And that's fine. That's fair. You've got a very successful company in Fanatics. But don't make that statement on the industry. Don't talk about NFTs or Web3 or blockchain as a non-sustainable, unsustainable, I don't even think non-sustainable, uh, world by itself. Because that's not true. That's yeah, not so I'm going to play devil's advocate yeah, for let's do it, bro. a moment. He says, as a standalone business, and I would argue what you're doing with NFTs, what some of the winning projects like what Yuga Labs is doing, it's not a standalone business. It's an ecosystem. To me, maybe Fanatics has this bigger ecosystem. They just raised a big round. Like the idea of sort of cultivating something new, it's hard work. And they Hold on, with- let me argue with you. Okay. Josh, let's define what's a standalone business. Tell me what you think a standalone business is in the way that Mike Rubin might be saying it. I think what he's saying by standalone business is you create an NFT and it works on its own independent of a physical type of experience, independent of physical project product that the digital collectible in itself is not a sustainable business. That's not what Candy, that's why I'm argumentative here. That's not what Candy Digital, to the best of my knowledge, what I've seen was doing. They were putting content out and they were also marrying content with physical product. And by the way, that's what Fanatics is all about. Right. So I think there's some naivete to his quote, no disrespect to him. But I think it is important distinction for people to have and for us to talk about on the air, which is no business in the current world is sustainable if it's a one hit pony. It's just like putting out one single and expecting to sustain a music group about that. You have to be thinking bigger. You have to be thinking across multiple business lines, about multiple communities, about multiple types of product offerings. And so like, if you look at that independently, you're like, you're right. 
but it's not a really applicable. I, I agree. I don't yeah. think that's why I'm bothered by the quote in the way that the quote comes off without the clarification. And it needs context. Michael's running a great company in Fanatics, very successful. Candy's done some good stuff. But to make that statement, which then gets picked up on in CNBC and probably I haven't looked, probably that got picked up everywhere else, that creates a tone and an attitude that's not accurate. And that's what I want. Again, as myself and many other people are doing work to try and blaze the trail here, as Candy was, we got to be careful with what is being said out there. No one should be bullshitting and no one should be spinning. But don't say that NFTs are unsustainable. You better put some context to that. And I think that's where the big mistake is. And that's what I have a problem with. Fair enough. All right. Well, I appreciate the share on that one. Great worth talking about too. And I think this is, I don't know, selling when the market is down on anything is an interesting choice. I yeah. Suppose. <laughs> and by the way, we want people to have skin in the game for projects that are relevant to them. Yeah, yeah we definitely do. Look, I want to see, obviously, we all want to see everyone in this space who's a real player and committed to it to succeed. That's the goal here. I don't want to see candy suffer. I don't want to see anyone out there. I do want to see everyone kind of step up the game, including us. We're constantly trying to improve. We know things that we're doing. I think what we're doing a good job of is I know what we're good at and I know what we're not good at. Like, believe me, we do not have this. Anyone who says that they've got this thing figured out, I think it's just bullshit. But I do know that we've got a good opportunity to continue to evolve the industry. And I just saw that Josh's power went out, Ethan. I guess. We can still see him. His computer's working. Can you hear us, Josh? Yeah, I think some of my circuits went out. I can't <laughs> see what you. I want to do, Josh. The first thing Orange Comet's going to do is make a donation so you can pay your power bill <laughs> and the electricity bill. So we've got, come yeah. on. Count on that coming from me to you. Yeah. For the listener, we've got Josh in the witness protection program. (laughs) Apparently, he knew something about SBF or something. Yeah, he had to share. You guys finish (laughs) up and I can't see you, but you can see me. (laughs) All right. Well, let's do a little bit of a wrap up here on the session. I know one of the things we like to do on the show and you were excited to participate on is a little bit of a shout out, Dave. So we like to give the chance to let you recognize folks that you think are under-recognized or just deserve a little love or you want to make a little connection with through our platform. Well, I'd love to hand it over to you and ask you who you think of in that context. In our company, look, it takes a lot for anyone, obviously a creator company in this space to move things forward. And that's why I give credit to everybody who's trying and I want to encourage everybody. For us, there's two bodies that I would give a shout out to with Inside Orange Comet. One of them goes to Young Yam who is our chief operating officer and oversees not just every single division with inside the company, but really oversees the strategy within what we're looking to do as well. And she works her ass off. I mean, and again, this is about being passionate about living, breathing, eating, NFTs, Web3 technology. We're reading articles all the time. She's reading stuff, pushing it out, talking in the wee hours of the morning to everybody. So a huge shout out to her, number one. And then again, because we are such a creatively driven company, content, as I've been saying on this podcast all along, is our number one priority, along with the community, this amazing community that we've built around our projects, which is so critical to us. Shout out to Dante Ferrarini, who I've mentioned earlier. He's our chief creative officer. He and our team. I just want you guys to know, and I'm sure we we just had Jeremy on, the, the amount of work that somebody puts into physically and mentally 
working on creating something, I don't think the public actually understands what really goes into it. They wouldn't. I mean, most people wouldn't. They just see something at the end of the day. And so for Dante, there are, and our creative team that he leads, sleepless nights. I mean, I'm telling you, falling asleep for an hour on a couch to try and get something done overnight. So a big shout out there. And then my last shout out really does go back to supporters who are around Orange Comet and all the projects we have. We had a fantastic base of people that became fans of the company and our work and have stuck with us in the good and bad. Believe me, we've made mistakes. We've had errors and technology issues and all kinds of things like that. And we're just looking to improve every single day as a company. And these people are fans and fanatics and collectors and enthusiasts have stayed and stuck by our side. So really appreciative of all that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. And yeah, from everything you were talking about when we were talking about projects upcoming and every 27 different things, and I can imagine people working on this stuff are really, they have to be pretty yeah. adept at what they do to manage that many things. It's going tough. On. It's hard. Yeah. It's tough. But awesome. you know, look, I mean, we love it and we're in it for the long haul. Cool. Well, we're about to wrap up here. A couple more sort of fun, but logistical things. We want to mention, we may do a giveaway with you. We're kind of like percolating on that. I do have a giveaway. Oh, you have one. You got to figure it out already. Okay, cool. If you want to share, you can, or we can announce it it later. text to me. I have one left, one Scotty Pippen NFT. Oh, snap. Uh, Because we put a couple aside and let me give it to you guys. And you decide on how it's got to get used. I'm just going to say the winner has to be on Twitter. They have to win six world championship basketball games. I love that. But we're going to do something really special here for this NFT, because this is a very special NFT. And we're very honored they're able to pull a rabbit out of the hat for us, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. We love it. And I appreciate all the time and the support. So think about what you want to do with it. Right now, they're not revealed. But by the time you do this, they'll be revealed. But again, each one. I guess it's kind of legendary in its own way because they're all unique one-of-ones. And for all we know, this one has extra special utility to it, but it's coming your way. We'll get it over to you guys. Thank you so much. So more detail on our shows is coming out soon. And then also just one last time, where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm always reachable on my Twitter. It's at Broom88, at B-R-O-O-M-E-88. They can come to Orange Comet, to our Twitter. They can come to our Instagram. They can go to orangecomet.com, see our projects, see what we've got coming out, go to our Discord. We're building a nice community, as I said. So we'd love to have anyone join. And I'm happy to answer any questions I possibly can. I'm looking to help people. So if there are, again, creators and people who are looking to get into this space, please reach out to me on my Twitter and ask me to DM and I'll come back to you and help any way I possibly can. That's very generous. Thanks so much. All right. We have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship. So invite your friends, recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome. Go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces. Start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, Be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. 
You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.